If you want to uh, turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 10. Sometimes as we have discussions with various people, and when we're speaking about the sovereignty of God in salvation, the glory and the holiness of God, sometimes we'll hear a person say, well, what about the innocent person who has never heard the gospel? Will God really condemn them to hell? Because think about that. What about the person who grows up in an unreached people group, who never hears the name of Christ proclaimed, the truth of the gospel? Does God send them to hell? It's a fair question. It's a question that um, we need to think through. And you may have, uh, if you had opportunity to listen to the sermon I sent in the email this week, David Platt pointed out one thing. That person doesn't exist because there is no innocent man. And while it's hard for us to come to grips with that, we're going to see how that truth fleshes out tonight in Romans chapter 10. How that plays itself out in the the outworking of chapter 20, uh, paragraphs 1 and 2 of the confession. But I wanted us to kind of start here and then we'll work our way backwards uh, a little bit. Paul is proclaiming that the, the gospel is to go out. Um, specifically, he is showing the, the lostness of Israel. And look in verse 14. Actually, let's go back a little bit. Start at verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth that the Lord, excuse me, mouth of the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Paul's pointing out that salvation is to call out upon the Lord. And then he says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach of the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And he continues on. That need for the gospel call to go out. We need to understand two different things. One, that God has given us the promise of the gospel from all the way back at Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. 
Notice on the screen what God says to Eve. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That promise there was the promise of a seed that would come. That would crush the serpent. Pointing toward Christ. That seed would be the one point of salvation for all mankind, for it was fulfilled in Christ. Paul kind of points back to this in Romans chapter 16, verse 20. He says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. What a great hope and promise that was. And to some extent, Satan has been defeated. O death, where is they sting? 1 Corinthians 15. But he has not been fully cast into the pit of fire that we see in Revelation. For he still roams to and fro, seeking whom he shall devour. The promise of the gospel was given just after the fall. It is that gospel promise that God uses to call all of his children to himself. But we must understand two things. One, that general revelation is insufficient to save. And I'm going to define that here in just a moment. It might, you might have heard that before. But we need special revelation to come to salvation. What do I mean by this? Gen- when we say the words general revelation, we're talking about creation. When we look around, as Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. This answers our question. What about the innocent person who has never heard the name Jesus Christ? The problem is they're not innocent. For all creation understands that there is a God. Now, when we go and we visit brand new tribal peoples, we see that sometimes they call that deity different things because they don't have special revelation to understand who that God really is and what he is really like. But they have enough knowledge in the revealed creation and the order which God has given to know that God exists. But general revelation cannot save us. Just the knowledge of creation. There is nothing in creation that says Jesus died for sin, repent and believe. Nothing that says in creation, um, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Creation doesn't give us that word. It does give us a word that God exists. And we're left without excuse. Even providence of of God working in our lives is evidence of God's work, but it's not enough to save us. We were meeting with the Bernards tonight, and uh, Mr. Bernard was was sharing about his mom and how God used his mom and her life and decisions she was making to cause Jason to say, hey, something is happening here that is different in her life. But was that enough information to save him? No. It drove him to then say, I need more information. 
And so general revelation in creation and in God's providence leaves us with information that God exists, but not enough for salvation. We need the word of God. And that's special revelation. That the word has to be proclaimed. It has been by God's grace given to us. But we must receive it. For as Acts 4.12, the apostles say, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except by me. And while we might say, well, this makes me uncomfortable, again, it makes us uncomfortable because sometimes we start with us and not God and recognize that God is holy and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we all recognize that. But the joy is, as though general revelation is insufficient to save us, special revelation is the means by which God uses to bring faith what we just see in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. I was thinking as I was preparing Ezekiel with the dry bones in the valley, and what does God tell Ezekiel to do? Ezekiel 37, 4, look at it on the screen with me. Then he said to me, prophesy... Over these bones. Speak truth on behalf of God to these. So how do we know what is truth? It is God's word that he has given to us. For all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Bible is what God uses to send the effectual call. To then bring about salvation. We need Special revelation to help us to know what is God like? What is our true state? And what is the true answer? The true answer is Christ. We're kind of going backwards at this, but now I want you to see how the confession lays what we have just looked at out. Number one, or excuse me, paragraph one. The covenant of works being broken by sin, Genesis 3, and made unprofitable unto life, God was pleased to give forth the promise of Christ, the seed of the woman, as the means of calling the elect and begetting in them faith and repentance. In this promise, the gospel, as to the substance of it, was revealed and is therein effectual for the conversion of salvation of sinners. Paragraph 2. This promise of Christ and salvation by him is revealed only by the word of God. Neither do the works of creation or providence with the light of nature make discovery of Christ or of grace by him so much as in a general or obscure way, much less that men destitute of the revelation of him by the promise or gospel should be enabled thereby to attain saving faith or repentance. We all stand guilty before God. And we need, we need the diagnosis and the cure. And we don't see it in creation God hasn't written it in the rocks or in the sky. He's given it into us. He's given it to us in His Word. 
And it caused me to think about when we're speaking to others, how much are we using the word of God to speak? If that's the means by which people need to know, is that what's filling our mouths as we speak to others about the need for Christ? Because our hope is in the word of God. The word of God is living and active, sharper than what? Any two-edged sword. And so it's our true joy, and it is what we look to to understand that it is sufficient to bring about salvation. But so often we can put our hope in other things. We can put our hope in philosophy and debate tactics. The persuasiveness of man. But at the end of the day, yes, God does call us to be ready to give a defense for the hope that lies within us. But at the end of the day, what is the means by which God is going to use to draw people? It's through his word. For it is totally sufficient. That's why... There should be an urgent underlying drive to us to get the gospel out to the nations. To get the word of God translated into every tongue. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. By God's grace, we have it. The question is, do we respond to that call? I pray that as we consider these things uh, here in chapter 20, that God would bless us. Let's pray. Lord, we are so blessed to have your word. Lord, you have given us your word by chosen men who wrote by the inspiration of the Spirit. Lord, to give us a word that is profitable, a word that brings about faith. And Lord, through the gospel of your Son, you gave us endless hope and peace. We just sang that, and what a great hope we have. Lord, we thank you for creation. We thank you for those things, but even tonight, help us to remember how important it is to have your word upon our lips. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word, and we thank you for it. We pray, Lord, even just in light of considering how you use your word, we pray for those who are translating your word throughout the world. Lord, for the the long task that it is, the, the difficult task, Lord, that you would bless the labors of those who are out, but yet you would also continue to send laborers that you would provide uh, ways and vehicles to, uh, to allow that translation to be taking place even quicker. Lord, that we might see your word being translated into more languages every day. Lord, because it is what you use to bring life. So Lord, do it. Bring glory to yourself through it. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.